Welcome. Now, my name is D. Ludlow. Now, before we get into this episode, go to the description, click the link and get your M&A Mastery Toolkit. This is a free download, which gives you some of the tools and resources that you need to start your M&A journey. Don't forget, go to the description, click the link. It's a free download and enjoy the episode. Before we start, please don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, 5am Club TV. So we're back, we're back. And today we're going to talk about crypto, Bitcoin and, and a few other things too. So a lot of people um, that have been commenting on, more messaging, messaging me um, after my crypto posts. I've talked about, about how do you value Bitcoin? So this is the main thing that I'm probably getting a message right now is how how to value Bitcoin. And to be fair, I think valuing Bit trying to value Bitcoin is probably the wrong thing to do. Uh, you know, you know, it's 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 more of a a belief system at the moment. It is you know it's deciding whether you believe in the fiat banking system or the Bitcoin system. Um, because look, the, the only reason the fiat uh, banking system even exists is because we accepted it and we use it same as gold you know why don't people believe that copper is the most valuable metal why not steel you know there's reasons behind people's thought uh, you know thought process uh, and why why gold was chosen and there's a reason why the fiat banking system was chosen to be used you know the, the thing is we, we've all been sort of made to believe in it and to believe that the fiat system has value. You know, when people decided to trade their gold for banknotes back in the day, it's because they believed that their notes that they was given had value, you know, and they had value attached to the notes. Um, and sort of basically that the note was worth the equivalent to the gold that they just handed over. But like Raoul Powell talks about the network effect, you know, the network effect took place then and, and that's why everybody jumped on the bandwagon back then. So trying to value Bitcoin as you would value a stock is probably the wrong thing to do. So like, look, how much is gold worth today? And look, don't look at the charts. What is a kilo of gold worth to you today? What would you pay for a kilo of gold? Why do you think that, you know, same goes for, why do you think a piece of paper with £20 printed on it is worth £20? Because you've been told that it's worth, well, that's what it's worth. And as society that we've adopted that thought process. So, you know, look, what happens when these institutions continue to buy Bitcoin using fiat debt until there's nothing left to buy? Would you believe in it then? Because, look, today is the 23rd of Feb. We've had a huge correction. I've had a ton of messages asking if the bull market is over you know my answer is basically go and do some research and understand the cycle and what part of the cycle we're in you know there's always a reason and you know i posted on my my ig uh, the same people who are saying um by the tesla dip today are saying the crypto bubble has burst like tesla isn't overvalued and that Tesla's not in a bubble much like the majority of the stock market. So stop listening to everybody else. Look, don't even listen to me. You can just do your own research and choose. So look, just to give you 
a few pros on Bitcoin and to counter some of the negatives that people have mentioned recently. One saying it's slow to move. But look, Bitcoin is faster than a credit card. <laughs> you know, some of these credit card payments, the day you make the payment, it actually takes days to move the money. So Bitcoin is faster than credit cards. And also to the people that favor gold, you know, I, I actually like gold myself. But what I will say is that what's the cost to say move a million pounds worth of gold from say Hong Kong to the UK? And what would be the process logistically and then how much, yeah, what would be the process logistically and how much would it cost to move one million pounds of physical gold from Hong Kong to the UK? And then think how much um, would it cost to move one million pounds worth of Bitcoin from Hong Kong to the UK? Um, and what's the process uh, logistically? So I'll let you work that one out for yourself. <laughs> We also need to look at the, you know, the whole economics behind all of this. You know, interest rates are likely to stay low for the foreseeable future. Um, QE is going to continue to happen. These politicians love it. Um, I would say there's definitely probably a bit too much optimism about these vaccines. Um, you know, right now they're being rolled out. People are still in lockdown. People are still getting the virus. So economic recovery is definitely going to be a bit harder. They're probably going to have some spikes because of people being let out and then they go and spend and then go back into lockdowns. So it's going to be a long, hard road for economic recovery. Um, you know, and inflation could be a bit of a problem for smaller economies. You know, you never know. So the thing is, there's so many developed markets trying to attempt to weaken their currencies against others so that exports are competitive globally. But with this uh, currency devaluation and low interest rates and potentially an increased inflation, I say potentially because I haven't made my mind up yet, and the more and more and more QE, this is just going to make Bitcoin more attractive to everyone. And, you know, there is still sort of the bear case of this where, are banks going to, you know, they, they've got the money to move the market. Are they going to short this all the way down to a more attractive price for them to acquire it? Maybe. But I also think that decentralized exchanges, you know, they, they got a lot of upside to go. You know, like Uniswap, SushiSwap, PancakeSwap. Like, to me, decentralized, extra, uh, decentralized exchanges, their trading volume is rising. You know, I mean, like this space being decentralized, you know, it's, it's becoming more centralized and probably will become more centralized the more it gets regulated, which does need to happen. But then DEX and privacy coins, I think then this could, they could have more of a place here. You know, if governments are likely to ban anything, in my opinion, it's probably going to be privacy coins. But look, I'm still bullish on privacy coins long term. But then on the flip side, you know, regulators you know, may not allow trading on decentralized exchanges. You know, at the whole, at the moment, the whole space is still in price discovery. So we need to watch it play out, see where the whole space is going. Um, you know, look, the exchanges are one of the most important aspects of the whole ecosystem. So governments are more likely to target um, exchanges over individual cryptos, you know, so especially for control. 
Look, Bitcoin is like a commodity. It's a scarce digital object that provides no cash flow, but it does have utility. And, you know, 18.5 million have already been mined according to the pre-programmed schedule. Every four years, the number, uh, the number of new Bitcoins generated per 10-minute block will be cut in half. And the total number of Bitcoins in existence will move towards the 21 million limited supply. But look, like any commodity, it, does, it doesn't produce cash flow or dividends. And really, it's only worth what um, you will pay for it or you will trade, what you're willing to trade for it. Um, look, it is a monetary commodity. Um, but it is all about storing and as utilities about transmitting value. And this is why it's compared to gold. And the way I look at this is, look, Bitcoin can be successful in the long run if the market cap does reach and sustains a very high level. The only way I see the network effect not working is if for some reason demand just flatlined um, and it wasn't able to reach a high enough level market cap wise. Otherwise, I can't see this becoming nothing. And I know a lot of people are talking about this at the moment. Peter Schiff and a bunch of others, you know, they love gold and they don't want to see Bitcoin rise. And look, I totally understand it. But I understand their opinion. And the only reason I understand their opinion is because they don't understand the asset. If you didn't understand the asset, then, of course, you're going to think that gold's history, um, that's pretty much the weight gold's got in the game and because they have a long history of being a store of value. But look, this, this doesn't make Bitcoin a Ponzi scheme. You know, just like that's like saying gold is a 5,000-year Ponzi scheme. You know, because the, the vast majority of gold's usage is, is, isn't for industry, it's for storing, displaying, and preserving wealth. It, it doesn't produce any cash flow. And it's also only worth what someone else will pay for it, like I've previously mentioned. Most people use it for jewelry. You know, but if people no longer view gold as, say, an optimal store of value, then gold's network effect could also diminish. So the only thing we can really relate to a Ponzi scheme right now is the global banking system. You know, fiat currency is basically, is an artificial commodity, if, if that's how you want to look at it. A dollar or a pound um, in itself is just an object made out of paper um, or represented on a digital bank ledger. Um, same for the euro, the yen, and all the other currencies. It pays no cash flows on its own. Although like, institutions that hold it for you might be willing to pay you a yield um, or in some cases charge you a negative yield. <laughs> um, but when we do work or sell something to acquire dollars, um, we only do so with the belief that its large network effect, including a government or legal network effect, will ensure that we can take these pieces of paper and give them to, some, give them to someone else for something of value. Secondly, then we organize these pieces of paper and the digital representations in, fractal, in a fractional reserve banking system. We add another complicated layer. Um, if about 20% of people were to try and pull their money out the bank at the same time, the banking system would collapse. 
or, or the banks pretty much would just say no to your withdrawal because they don't have the cash. And look, this has happened to some US, US banks in early 2020 during the, the pandemic shutdown, you know, and it does occur quite regular around the world. You know, that's actually one of the SEC's red flags of a Ponzi scheme is the difficulty receiving payments. So this year, I would say it was all about the institutional adoption of Bitcoin. You know, when MicroStrategy, Square, these type of companies, and now Tesla, it does change the opinion of people. We've had Paul Tudor Jones, um, Stanley Druckenmiller, Bill Miller, um, a bunch of other investors who do have bullish views on it. And like some institutions like Fidelity were on board the Bitcoin train for years with an eye towards um, the institution adoption. And look, now we're seeing some of the well, the largest asset manager in the world, like I've mentioned, BlackRock, they're showing strong interest. So Bitcoin's growth is led by the network effect and people understanding um, why Bitcoin exists. So I think that people who are so dead set on that one asset that they've always believed in, whether that be real estate, the financial markets, or whatever it is you've invested in, gold, um, try and understand this asset, even though it is digital, before you just write it off. Because there's, there's no good you missing an opportunity because of being stubborn. Now, look, this was something I got my head around. Now, when, it, when this all fell off a cliff in 2017, I didn't even know the use or why Bitcoin existed back then. When you start looking into Bitcoin and crypto as a whole and understanding um, why it exists and why we're moving into this sort of um, tech space at the moment, what, what, why it's even coming forward and why it's disrupting the banking system, why it's disrupting some major companies, why some corporations are using the technology, um, by that I mean blockchain, already why are they adopting it if it, if, if it is nothing now obviously the technology side of it um, and company use is a bit different to why bitcoin exists but we do need to try and understand it before you write it off but also you know you could look into it and challenge your opinion and look at both sides and think well yeah i don't think it's going to exist i think that governments will probably ban it or i think that the network effect isn't really going to um, come into place and fiat um, the fiat banking system will continue to move forward but like i said in previous podcasts fiat currencies have a lifespan of like 25 years um, 100% failure rate global reserve currencies are just around 100 years 100% failure rate so look it's not saying that bitcoin isn't going to fail because none of us know this yet but does it have some pull right now and will it have some pull in the future? I think so, yes. That's why I'm invested. And that's why I'm so passionate about this space because at the moment, it's still very, very early days. But yeah, so if you are a part of this market correction now um, that's just happened, look, don't worry too much. We've had Binance coins up over 600% in one month. A correction or a pullback needed to happen. These happen all the time in the crypto markets. So look, if 
if you ain't got a good stomach for this, then just don't invest in crypto. But I, I'm personally, I'm not worried at all. Understand the cycle and you can sleep easy at night. So that's enough from, uh, from me today. I'll see you on the next episode.